This is our second session for Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, a text that we usually associate with this amazingly common and popular prophecy. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, all of us associating this with Christmas and the birth of Jesus, which is absolutely right to do. And we're putting it in its context of 1 through 5. Let's read it again. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, that's the time that Jesus brought into the world in its fullest meaning, He has made glorious the way of of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then this is what Jesus quotes in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 17. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus interprets that of himself. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Now, What we want to focus on in this session is what Jesus didn't quote, but what he set us up to interpret in the light of the gospel, in the light of the kingdom of Christ, because he told us that he is this brightness. He is the glory that is replacing this gloom, and that's described here. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Father, as we look at this, I pray for illumination so that we can see how Jesus becomes the fulfillment of this passage in his people's lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have multiplied the nation. What are we to make of that in context? God has multiplied the nation as he has become uh, glorious in these northern provinces. There's a promise back in Genesis 17, 5 to Abram, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. In other words, the people of Israel are going to mysteriously become a multitude of nations. And Paul interprets that to be the opening of the way to the Gentiles as the gospel comes and fulfills this Abrahamic promise. And so Jesus in John ten sixteen says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, this Jewish fold. I have other sheep. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. And This is a great increase of people beyond the people of ethnic Israel being included in the nation here. 
I have multiplied the nation, or you have multiplied the nation, speaking of God. You have increased its joy. They rejoice. And then he gives two descriptions with analogies of what the joy is like. They rejoice before you as, that's one, as with joy at the harvest. And second, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So at harvest, we're glad because we've got enough food. Our needs are met physically by provision. And we are glad when the enemy has been defeated and we can divide the spoil. So there's the gladness of plenty and the gladness of victory with its fruit of spoil. And then here comes the ground for this gladness at harvest and especially the gladness at the victory over enemies. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. So God breaks the yoke that enemies put on his people. God breaks the staff that enemies lay on the shoulder of his people. God breaks the rod of the oppressors of his people. He has broken it. And that's the, that's the ground of being able to divide the spoil here and having plenty as at harvest. He has broken the backs of all our enemies as at the day of Midian. <laughs> Do you remember, remember that? This is Gideon coming up against the Midianites. And the Midianites lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. In other words, <laughs> Gideon was radically outnumbered. And of course, you remember the story, he reduced his army of 20,000 down to 300 so God would get the glory. And they, Gideon's 300, cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's, every Midianite man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and they army fled. In other words, this, this was a stunning victory that only the Lord could have Performed, And that's the point here. You have broken the yoke. You've broken the staff. You've broken the rod of all our enemies. And you did it in such a way through Christ. You did it in such a way that only the Lord could have done it. A stunning, absolutely miraculous victory. And then another ground here to show how complete is the victory. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment, so all the boots and all the garments of the adversaries that were just beaten as at Midian, rolled in blood, they have done a horrible thing, will be burned as fuel for the fire. What does that mean? It means that they aren't just defeated they are super defeated and become 
useful even in their death for God's people. Here's an example of that in the Christian experience. Who shall bring, this is Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword and others? Here are our enemies. All these things are the enemies that God has broken the back of. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So in breaking the back and removing the rod of the oppressor, he doesn't yet in this age take it away, but rather often Christians are killed. So are we defeated? Are we separated from the love of Christ? Has the victory not been won? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is this more? And I'm arguing it's like this. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood isn't just defeated. In other words, those soldiers don't just lie dead in the field and our yoke and rod and staff are not just broken, but now even their clothing becomes useful to us fuel for the fire. And I think that's exactly what is meant back here. They are more than conquerors. Danger and sword and and nakedness and distress and persecution and famine. They actually serve to strengthen Christians and deepen our faith and make us more united in our love to Christ and our our dependence on Christ. So the point here is God gets a great victory over the adversaries of God's people. And in doing so, he multiplies the nation. He does it through Christ. In doing so, he increases the joy of his people by providing all their needs and granting that they get victory over their enemies. And all the yoke and the staff and the rod of the oppressor is broken in an absolutely supernatural way so that no man can take the credit for it. And in the process, the victory is so complete that even though there is still warfare to be had, the defeat will be such that our enemies become useful to us and not just lie dead at our feet, but our defeat of Tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword, our defeat of these become useful to us because we are more than conquerors. They become our servants, just like the fuel for our fire.